Hello, everyone. I'm John Pataki, and welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than Bruce Wayne's voice shifting into Batman persona, into pop culture, film, and TV franchises, and the fandoms they inspire. Today, we're doing an emergency podcast in tribute to Kevin Conroy, who passed away uh, this in the past couple of days at the age of 66. Kevin was born in 1955 in Westbury, New York, and studied acting at the Juilliard School alongside, I had no idea about this, Christopher Reeve and his roommate, Robin Williams, which there's a Batman connection there because obviously Christopher Reeve is most famous for playing Superman and Robin Williams was in the running to play the Riddler in Batman Forever at some point before turning it down. So funny little bat universe unto itself. Kevin Conroy, of course, best known as people's definitive Batman for the most part. He lent his vocal talents to the Dark Knight in 60 different productions over three decades, uh, including you know a handful of Batman video games and 15 films, including obviously Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Um, and, you know, other DC animated universe versions of Batman, like The Killing Joke, you know, also throughout 15 animated series, most notably, obviously, is Batman, the animated series. He lent to his voice to nearly 400 episodes and more than 100 hours of television in total. We're here today to talk about Kevin Conroy as our Batman. And to do that, I had to bring on resident Batmanologists, Paul Jaisley and Larry Fish. Welcome, guys. Uh, it's good to be here, John. You know, talking about Batman is one of my very favorite things. Even if it's a sad occasion like this, uh, the passing of Kevin Conroy, I think it's a good tribute just to get together and share our memories about his uh, indelible performance as Batman. So I'm happy Absolutely. to be here. Welcome. And welcome to you, Larry, as well. Hey, thanks very much. Um, when I read Batman, I hear Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. I mean, that's, you know, that's what it means to me. So I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And I think that Paul and I could probably relate to that. I think we both posted within like five minutes of each other about <laughs> Kevin Conroy's voice being that like indelible Batman voice. It's just like even with Michael Keaton and all the Batman throughout the years, it's like no one even came close to Kevin Conroy. So I just I mean, in, in terms of in terms of his performance as Batman throughout the years, Paul, like, can you share a little bit about what his performance and then the series Batman, the animated series, like how that played into your life and how it affected you. Sure. I mean, I've been a Batman fan as long as I can remember. So my earliest memories are playing with uh, Batman action figures, the superpowers action figures from the from the mid to late 80s. And then, um, you know, reading Batman comics, probably reading comics. I probably was uh, way too young to be reading at the time, <laughs> considering some of the content. But uh, definitely, I was already a Batman fan when the Tim Burton film came out. So obviously, when the animated series rolled out, I was right on board. I watched the first episode that, you know, the day it aired. Um, I was I was there for it. It really spoke to me aesthetically. It's kind of like, again, in my mind, what Batman looks like, the voice is what Batman sounds like. And part of that is because I, you know, I was watching these cartoons. I was nine, ten years old. But sure. But Kevin Conroy's performance is so iconic because he really nails the character. There is a gruffness, a toughness. There's a growl to the voice. But it's it's more nuanced than that. There's different layers yeah. to it. And the way he effortlessly switched from Batman to Bruce Wayne made those characters so much more distinct. And you really got the sense. And I think he was even interviewed at points where he explained his approach was always, I'm playing Batman and Bruce Wayne is a character Batman plays when he needs to. And like that performance defines the dynamic between those two aspects of Bruce Wayne's personality better than any explanation. Like it's just right there when you hear it. So it's, again, I think it's the perfect example of what I love about Batman as a character is right there in the, his performance. I'm right there with you, Paul. And the thing, too, that he brings to both Bruce Wayne and Batman that I think that is really kind of lost to time in when Batman gets darker and grittier 
I did air quotes, but this is a podcast, so you couldn't see that. But um, is there's a pathos to this Batman. There's a deep caring for the people he's trying to protect that comes from his voice. And you don't really get that a lot with other Batman throughout sure. the movies. There's countless episodes where he's trying to save, like Man Bat, you know, comes to mind where he's like, don't do this, don't throw your life away. And it's a sympathetic take on Batman. Um, that really has stuck with me personally. That duality of Bruce Wayne and Batman might come up later when we do our lists of favorite of favorite <laughs> Batman episodes. So, yeah. how about you, Larry? I know you said that he's the voice you hear when you read Batman comics, but in terms of Kevin Conroy's performance in the animated series, like how has that affected your view of Batman? Why is it that voice that you hear in your head? I, I just think that I mean we've touched on it a little bit, but he's serious when he needs to be serious, and he's funny when he needs to be funny and he's menacing when he needs to be menacing and it's just all perfect there's layers to batman and bruce wayne when he when he does them that just aren't there uh in other in other performances sure i think the best compliment you could pay him is that over the years like a lot of people have played batman and they've been asked to say some pretty dumb shit and he <laughs> He he just never sounds goofy or out of place, or his Batman is never sort of a figure of fun. It, it's just always, it's it, well, it's perfect. There's a gravitas and a confidence to him reading his Bat computer and being like, oh, of course, these things all converge. Like he plays it very, very seriously and straight. Uh, but and he's also very like his Batman is also very sassy. Like there's so many episodes where Batman is just like a little stinker and like is like. <laughs> Talk, like saying just really sassy quips at people and it's just it's always really funny to me because he's always like standing by himself when he says it so it's like who are you talking to batman <laughs> like um yeah i mean it's just a really important amazing performance and I, you know paul you touched on it a little bit too where it's like a little bit of that comes from the fact that's like this is the batman that was on when we were the most yeah. impressionable and the most open to wonder and excitement that is also something to be said about the amount of care taken in creating Batman, the animated series where, you know, yeah. Kevin Conroy was cast because they said that he's the only person that had that dramatic heft to him. And that he was, you know, kind of, they were kind of like, who is going to like play Batman and kind of at the end of their rope with trying to cast. And then Kevin Conroy walked in and they're like, that's him. Um, yeah. And then to have like Mark Hamill in the past couple of days posting about how Kevin Conroy was, just the nicest person and had with the biggest heart coming from Mark Hamill, who was like one of the people that I view as one of the nicest people with the biggest <laughs> hearts. It reminded me a little bit of like the actor version of when like um, MCA from the beastie boys passed away. No one had a bad thing to say about him. Everyone was like mm -hmm. his, his light will be missed. And like, it's just really, yeah. it's really striking to me how important a voice actor was to my life and my, my formative years as enjoying things that are creative and that that voice sticks sticks with me always and i and i think when it really came into came to fruition when it really came when it when it really registered to me how impactful he was as batman was when they announced in like the arkham games that kevin conroy and mark hamill mm -hmm. were going to play batman and the joker it's like no tie to the animated series but it's just agreed upon that he's the best batman so they just <laughs> yeah. made him the voice because it's like who else could voice batman um i think that's when it went from like it, that where it went from an understanding that the B Batman the animated series was good and I enjoyed it to realizing that he was an iconic voice in animation, right. you know. So 
Yeah, because I mean, you're hinting at the idea, like we're talking about the animated series, because I mean, look, we're all of a, the same age. This is kind of a formative experience for us. But, mm-hmm. you know, in your introduction, you talked about he played Batman for, I mean, years and years after that, like almost 30 years of performances between video games and other animated series. So it's like for mm-hmm. an entire generation of people, he is the voice of Batman. And, you know, and because the character can change and adapt to different art forms and different interpretations, yet he's somehow the 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 through line. You know, he was able right. to do the animated series. And I don't, I'm not a video game person, but I've, from what I understand, those games are maybe a little bit darker. They're not, don't have the sort of comedic you know, moments we talked about, like the animated series, but he's able to do that as well. Just a deep understanding of the character. And I think that's something that's really important. Again, I've spent a lot of time talking about Batman on the internet. And I think I have a, a grasp of what the character means to me. Sure. But to actually hear, like, like I said, a generation of people say, like, this is the Batman for me. I, they might know it from different places, but it's the unifying thing that in a world of fandom that loves to debate and disagree, everyone agrees he's the best Batman. It's like everyone can agree on this. And that's really special when you think about it. Well put, Paul. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, so in honor and in tribute of Kevin Conroy today, we're kind of revisiting the Batman series. We're going to go through and, and tell you all our top three Batman the Animated Series episodes. How did you guys go about choosing these? Um, was it just based on your best memories of them? Was it your current uh, state of enjoying them? Was it a combination of the, of the two or, or something else completely yeah, so for me, I basically just sat down this morning and made a list. Of the, <laughs> my my favorites off the top of my head, and there was 11. Uh, sure. And then I watched a bunch, and then I saw that Paul had picked two that I was going to and pick some backups. It is, we have to podcast <laughs> after all. It's got to be entertaining. We all picked the same three episodes, and it's just <laughs> over. Um, how about you, Paul? Any rhyme or reason? Um, or You know, there it's strange. There are very few, I remember particular moments, but not particular episodes that really stood out in my head. So I kind of had to do a little bit of digging. I was reading a lot of tributes people had written about Kevin Conroy and there are particular episodes that other people mentioned. So I actually went back and watched a few of those. I actually surprised how much I remembered from those episodes because it'd been years and years, if not decades since I'd watched a lot of this stuff, but I tried to gravitate toward episodes. I think highlighted his performance. Sure. Uh, more than just actual personal memories so much. But mm-hmm. like I said, as I was rewatching that stuff, there was a, like a flash flood of, of memories washing over me revisiting this stuff. So I'm glad I picked these particular ones. Great. Yeah. I mean, why don't you go ahead and start us off then with your number three? Number three um, might be an obvious choice, but it, it is a great performance. It is actually the very first episode titled On Leather Wings. I remember watching this the day it debuted. And uh, f- for me, it's uh, great because it's a, kind of a perfect little Batman story about Man Bat, who is one of the goofier Batman villains, but I have a soft spot for him. Easy, um, easy. I love Man Bat. <laughs> but there is something about this show that announces how different it is from previous versions of Batman, particularly animated versions of Batman. You know, the the stylistic choices, that iconic introduction, you know, for each episode that gives you like a 30 second version of who Batman is and what he does. And then the visual look of it. And there's a great moment in this episode where Kevin Conroy is, you know, like you said, reading off the Bat computer, sort of like trying to track down uh, Dr. Langstrom, the, the man bat. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a phone call and he has to switch into the Bruce Wayne voice very quickly. And like that dichotomy is so amazing in that quick moment. And how effortlessly Conroy switches from one to the other. Um, it's a, such a great moment. And it's a standout moment in an already great episode, I think. Um, this is this is just one that instant gut check of favorite Batman the animated series episodes is just like yeah. top of the heap. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I was commenting before we started recording that we all 
kind of picked episodes that were on my shortlist anyway. So I'm just so glad that like all nine of these episodes that we're picking were on a, a list that I had at some point. I'm so glad we're gonna have sure. a chance to talk about all of them. But this one just exactly like this the intro to that gritty dark Gotham with the you know mm-hmm. they've they used the the black paper to to draw the, sh- the yeah. different scenes on to give that brooding dark Gotham look. And this one really highlights that because they're swinging through off zeppelins and things like that mm-hmm. so it's like it's just it's just such an awesome episode i'm a great number three thanks paul what's your number three larry i picked almost got him which essentially the premise is it's a bunch of the batman villains sitting around the poker table talking about times they were almost able to kill batman i love it bruce wayne is undercover as killer croc his story about almost killing batman is that he threw a rock at him uh <laughs> but it was a big rock um <laughs> we, we talked a little bit earlier about gravitas and some of the episodes kevin conroy you know he doesn't have more than 10 lines or or, you know there's really not much to be said as batman but it works when he shows up it's impactful it just you never he never goes missing even an episode that's just a bunch of a bunch of villains sitting around a card table i mean batman the animated series did this really well where there's a a handful of episodes like you were saying larry that like batman is barely in and they the bravery of taking batman out of a batman show for 90 percent of an episode another one that reminds me of this i mean he's in the title but is uh it's, i think it's called i've got batman in my basement the bunch of kids have to take care of batman but he's knocked out for the whole episode they really do those episodes so well and even the episodes that like it's just mostly bruce wayne with a little dash of batman in it it's like you know it's a special show because they weren't just like having batman front and center like kicking ass the whole time they they were very story and character oriented with this so um and that's that's a really great episode as well so you you never Um, sit around just you know where's batman when's batman gonna get there (laughs) right whenever batman's not on screen everyone should be asking where's batman (laughs) my number three is a is definitely a cheat it's it's uh a two-parter it's the Demon's Quest Part One and Two. I love Rajah Ghoul so much. I I love that dynamic between Batman and Rajah Ghoul. That the only person that's more suited to the life that Batman lives is Rajah Ghoul because he's trained the League of Shadows. He's the most interesting man in the world, basically. And I just love an episode where it's like, Detective, I respect your work, and he's leading on this globe-trotting adventure to basically test batman and put him through the ringer i I love a lazarus pit story i love the fact that like the lazarus pits become the kind of weapon of mass destruction in these episodes where it's like goal eventually is to blow up the lazarus pits and destroy the world 50 percent of the population sounds familiar rajah gould did it first what i really love about these episodes is there's there's something like i said batman is real sassy most of the time and there's this running line through the, at least the first part of this one where there's rajah ghoul's like assistant and he keeps like shoving batman aside and he's like that sounds like strike one to me and then it carries on like 10 minutes later he's like that's two and then so it's like building up building up and he's like eventually gets to strike three just beats the shit out of the guy um but that's just like a, such a great little Batman twist on a story because he's like, he's in control even when he's in a really precarious situation. But I really love a Batman that's like wearing a parka or like when Batman, this, this might be getting a little too into my psyche, but like when Batman like has no shirt on, but like tights and a bat, the Batman yeah. mask. And you're like, mm-hmm. good luck, Batman. You're looking, yeah. it's, 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 not everyone can, not everyone can pull that off, but Bruce Wayne yeah. can. Um, <laughs> 
just really cool episodes. And um, I mean, I love Talia. I love Talia and Batman's yeah. relationship. And um, anything with Rajal Ghul in the League of Shadows, I'm I'm always I'm always in for. Except for Batman Begins. <laughs> well, and those episodes are a really good example of how the animated series was able to adapt uh, comic book stories to the format. I mean, those sure. are direct adaptations from the mm-hmm. uh, you know, first appearances of Rachel Ghoul that Denny O'Neill wrote, and he co-wrote those episodes, I believe. So it's a good example of them taking Batman's source material and not adapting it one-to-one, but mm-hmm. making it fit the format of their show really well. Yeah, putting it in this version of the Batman universe, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Paul, why don't you go ahead and, and go with your number two here? Um, this one, I, if you know me, you know how much I love uh, mm-hmm. Batman in all different forms is an obvious choice. It's Beware the Grey Ghost, uh, the episode where yep. uh, Adam West gets to come back and not play Batman, but play a sort of proto version of Batman. You know, in this episode, we find out that Bruce Wayne was inspired sort of to become a crime fighter by watching this, you know, Uh, 50s like 40s 50s like noir type show it's basically an adaptation of the shadow one of those type characters Mm -hmm. it's voiced by adam west called the gray ghost and he has to sort of enlist the actor who played the gray ghost to help him solve a mystery so you kind of get to see batman be a fanboy it was interesting i this is episode i did go back to rewatch to talk about and i was really struck by how true to life it felt knowing more about adam west and batman now as an adult and going back, there's a whole like subplot about how Adam West's character feels typecast as the Great Ghost, and it's hard not to read that as true to life for Adam West being typecast as Batman. So to have Kevin Conroy kind of step in and be the new Batman and sort of like reassure him, give him a new lease on life, so to speak, like it's a really touching episode when you go back to rewatch it in that respect. The animated series is so good at the fact that it's like not Batman versus Darkseid or like going yeah. through and like teaming up with green lantern it's all very grounded stories mm-hmm. it's very like street level as they say and this is a really great example of that is it's not yeah you're not bringing in martian manhunter martian manhunter you're, he's <laughs> just he's talking to an old actor to help him solve a situation that's something i always appreciated like 90 percent of the batman the animated series stories are like involved with the mob larry take it away with your number two a all personal right. favorite of mine as well yeah so i went with um joker fish because it is easily like <laughs> the most absurd good Batman thing ever made. Um, (laughs) So essentially the Joker poisons all of the fish in Gotham Harbor so that when they're caught, they have his face. Uh, And then Batman must try and stop him from patenting uh, the Joker fish. (laughs) Sold. Yeah. Um, It it features Batman guarding multiple people who work at the patent office. Uh, it's, It's great. It's such a good example of how it can be fun, but still exciting, but still true to Batman. So. Uh, this is the one, isn't there also like a shark tank situation in this episode? Or is that... Oh, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. Yep. I'm just over here making up Batman animated series plot lines before we started <laughs> recording. I was like, isn't there an episode where Batman's fighting a mute clown on a garbage barge? And you guys are like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I swear it exists though. I'll find it. I'll show both Please. of you. I'm yeah. pretty um, sure you're right about the shark. I don't know about the mute gas mask. Climbing the barge, <laughs> that was the episode I was writing on my own and never got picked up. Uh, yeah, for sure. My number two um, was chosen based on Kevin Conroy's dynamism in terms of performance. Like uh, my number two is perchance to dream. It's an episode where it starts like Batman breaks into a warehouse and then is knocked out by something and he wakes up 
in a in a world where he's not Batman and never was Batman because both of his parents are still alive. Um, and he's married to Selena Kyle and he's like, what is happening? What is going on? Um, and he's, you know, obviously in, in these types of scenarios, there's like a twilight episode, twilight zone episode that it's clearly based on when it comes down to it. He starts, he thinks he's losing his mind. It kind of shows the full range of Kevin Conroy's performance where Bruce Wayne, just waking up Bruce Wayne, having a mental breakdown, Bruce Wayne, having like a manic episode where he's like on top of the world saying like, everything's, you know, life is a dream. I love it. Everything, nothing could be better. Um, and then crashing back down to madness again, because there's also a Batman in this dream world that is separate from him. And it's this really amazing play on Bruce without Batman. Uh, and Batman without Bruce and how they need each other to survive mm. and how they need each other to be one complete entity, not to step on your number one, Paul, but you <laughs> mentioned Leslie Tompkins. She makes an appearance yeah. in this one as well, but as more of like a, a, a matrix style, like implant type psychologist that's trying to keep him away from the truth. Um, and there's a, a climactic battle between Bruce Wayne and Batman in a clock tower where it's Bruce Wayne fighting Batman, which is, you know, you don't have to take an English class to understand the symbolism in that. <laughs> and it's just a really great episode and really one of those really cool story choices to remove Batman from the equation. The whole um, you know, run of Batman R.I.P. Grant Morrison's Batman R.I.P. is mm-hmm. kind of the, the inverse of that, where it's like, if this is Bruce Wayne without Batman, then Batman R.I.P. is Batman without Bruce Wayne. But right. just that's yeah. obviously that's that's the whole dynamic of what makes Batman so interesting is who is who is the mask. And this mm-hmm. episode really digs into the, psych- the psychology of that in a really strange and fun way. Plus it taught me that you can't read in dreams. So, so that's always cool too. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just a really, really awesome episode. And I'll, yeah, it's just one I just remember every second of, yeah, go ahead and hit us with your number one, Paul. This was tough. Uh, there's a toss up between two episodes. I won't bend the rules. I'll stick to one of the two I had in mind, but they're very similar stories and they both feature Leslie Tompkins. But I'm going to go with I Am the Knight. This is, again, an example of the sort of self-reflective Batman that we sometimes get in the show where uh, Batman is going to meet Leslie Tompkins at the site where his parents were killed. Uh, by doing so, he's delayed in helping the police department take out um uh, the jazz man, uh, it's like a gangster, generic gangster villain. Uh, during that fight between the jazz man and the police, uh, Commissioner Gordon is struck by a bullet and Batman blames himself. He's like, if I hadn't been wasting my time or like if I'd been, hadn't done that with meeting with Leslie Tompkins, I wouldn't have been late to that. It's all his fault. And he doubts he can continue being Batman. There's a great scene where he has to, you know, sort of really wrestle with his demons, uh, not literal demons like Rachel Ghoul, but figurative demons <laughs> saying, what do I add to this equation? Is it worth being Batman? And again, it's just the full weight of Conroy's performance highlighting the importance of the character and what it means. And there must be a Batman. That's the conclusion. Like, no matter what I do, I, I might fail, but I can't not do this. It's what I'm destined to do. And it's really reminds you of the importance of the character and just what a great idea the character is due to uh, you know Conroy's performance. I love it. It's a great one. It was it was on my short list as well. Where I was like, man, nice. I just it was between this and Perchance the Dream, and I just I love this episode so much. Yeah, it's really yeah. tremendous. I will say my the if you want to know the runner up, if I had to if I could pick two in my number one slot, it would be an appointment in Crime Alley, which is a basically a super, super simple story about Crime Alley going to be demolished to make room for a big mall. But again, there's a great moment between Leslie Tompkins and Batman. I'm a sucker for their dynamic. So there you go. Sure. I guess I snuck my, my two picks in 
regardless. You got to have a runner up. You got to have an honorable mention section at sure. least, you know? So yeah. how about you, Larry? What's your number one? So I totally cheated and did take a two-parter. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I love it. Shadow of the Bat parts one and two. Jim Gordon is framed. And um, to try and uh, free him, it features um, Barbara Gordon taking up the Bat mantle and becoming Batgirl. It also has one of my very favorite things, which is uh, Kevin Conroy going undercover as like a small time crook named Matches Malone with a mustache. Yes. I I really like it. They is they kind of unravel the plot. They find out Two Face is behind it. Barbara Gordon calls Robin a dork. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's got which is true. Oh yeah. yeah. Like within minutes of meeting him, she calls him a dork. Uh, <laughs> so she's got that figured out. That's um, the best part about um, like Teen Titans Go. My boys love Teen Titans Go, and it's like Robin is the most like petulant nerd throughout the whole series. And it's like <laughs> if you just still Robin down to that, that's basically what's going on. So. I I also love Teen Titans Go. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. But it's got Kevin Conroy as a crook and as concerned uh, Bruce Wayne and as like really grouchy Batman when Batgirl shows up and the nice accepting Batman. So. It it's a good one. Before I I mention my number one, I I got to shout out the fact that like Batman the animated series is is so iconic and so good throughout that it literally shifted how DC portrayed characters and villains and things like adding Harley Quinn right to the to the canon just because she was such a popular character throughout. And one of my favorite episodes, this is an honorable mention, is Harley and Ivy, mm-hmm. where. Uh, Harley and Poison Ivy team up. It's it's really fantastic. But the best example of the series doing that is the episode Heart of Ice, which is my number one. Um, obviously, it's an episode starring Mr. Freeze, Victor Freeze, um, a daytime Emmy winning episode for, for writing in a series. And mm-hmm. it, it deserves it because it's just like one of the most emotionally affecting animated episodes of anything I've ever seen with a really basic stock Batman plot, you know, where Victor Freeze feels slighted. So he take, tries to take out his revenge on the humanitarian of the year. Um, I forget the guy's name. Boyle, I think is the character's name, who shut down his funding and ended up killing Nora, his wife, which is the origin that, that DC then kind of retconned for Mr. Freeze in the comics um, yeah. because it's just such an amazing origin story for a villain. And then the, the last five minutes of the episode are just like stuck with me forever where that iconic animation style just shows Victor Freeze staring at the um, music box of Nora and just <laughs> lamenting her loss done to a slightly less effective degree in Batman and Robin as well. But um, <laughs> also a very effective degree because I love, I love, love, love Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie. It's just a really great example. And I think this was like the third or fourth episode of the series of how yeah. just like how many they had of these in the chamber, just ready to go. And they just knew exactly <laughs> what they wanted to do. Uh, this episode is just awesome. I really have a thing for Mr. Freeze where it's like, I really want to see him in the Batman universe, like met the Matt Reeves Batman universe. Like I would love to see somehow like a stripped down, down to earth take on Mr. Freeze somehow. I don't really know how you would do that, but I would love to see it attempted. Yeah. But it's just, just a really beautiful episode. The score is amazing. I mean, Anything with like the Edward Scissorhands effect too, where it's like beautiful music with flowing snow is really (laughs) scores points with me as well. But I've just always, I've always loved this episode and I just think it's like a really stunning work of animated art. It's, it's fantastic. So it's pretty amazing. And I mean, it's pretty amazing that a cartoon adaptation 
redefines the character. I mean, Dr. Freeze is a nothing character before this. Like, he's kind of just a, you know, a joke. Yeah. But then this kind of gives the character a new lease on life. It's also amazing the complexity that they give this character in a, which is basically a kid's cartoon show, right? I mean, it's pretty incredible. The right. the the level of, you know, complexity to this story, the level of grief you're portraying on a kid's cartoon show. It's a good example of how to do superhero stories that, you know, are sort of absurd and sort of unbelievable, but treat the treat them with a level of respect, you know, where it can be fun, but it can also be mm-hmm. very serious. And it doesn't have to be gar- grim and gritty to be serious. It can just be emotionally effective on a way that, you know, some other genres just can't. So I th- in a total regard, as as a episode, Batman or otherwise, it's a perfect episode of like a superhero TV show, you know, yeah. or superhero story. I agree. It's one of my one of my favorite comic book things is when you take a, a absurd premise and make it yeah. emotionally grounded in something real. And yeah. I, you know, most recent best example I think is uh, uh, Namor and and Wakanda Forever. Feelings about that movie aside, I, the fact that you're taking a um, underwater fish man with wings on his ankles and giving him like some emotional weight is really effective and really like a it's really kind of amazing to me that you can make someone like a yeah. character like that believable and sympathetic so yeah, and, and i think sure. the same thing where it's like yeah mr freeze is like what a stupid concept for a character and just like, what a basic villain like i'm gonna freeze you to death like i don't know <laughs> if it's it, it could have been it could be so much goofier but they just took yeah. it in this really amazing dramatic route so um any any honorable mentions you guys want to bring up i uh very briefly i mean if felt like a cop-out to pick uh mask of the phantasm as one of my picks but obviously i think that stands as, as its own thing it's one of the better feature-length film adaptations of the of any batman story i actually just read uh batman year two yep. by uh mike barr and uh todd mcfarlane and alan davis the story that this uh that movie's roughly based on and it's a complete mess. It's almost like a fascinatingly bad Batman comic. <laughs> so the fact that they're able to take all the best parts of that and make like an amazing feature film with it is a testament to the creative team behind the, the whole series. And there is that amazing moment, which I think a lot of people shared uh, after Kevin Conroy's passing is the scene where Bruce Wayne is basically asking his parents mm-hmm. for forgiveness. Cause he, he doesn't know if he can keep being Batman anymore. You know, he's like in the rain, he's on his knees in front of their, the, the headstone saying, you know, uh, I know I swore an oath to you, but I didn't count on being happy. It's a gut wrenching performance, especially yes. now rewatching yep. it as an adult. As a kid, it's like, okay, let's get to more Batman stuff. But now, go punch the Joker so in the face. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, it's such an amazing scene, and it really it it shows again the complexity and nuance of what is you know ostensibly a kid's cartoon is so much more than that in that moment. Yeah, I, I would argue that if you're only going to watch one Batman feature length thing ever, it should be Mask of the Phantasm. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, my grandma really liked it when I saw it in the theater with her. Perfect. <laughs> so if you want, if you if you want a real stamp of approval, <laughs> Josephine Hall loved Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. So two thumbs up, um, Josephine. Yeah. Some um, some uh, uh, honorable mentions that I had. I also had Mask of the Phantasm on there because it's just like unstoppable. Um, Feet of Clay. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. Just mm-hmm. like I mean, Clayface is cool as hell. Oh. Plus Ron, plus Ron Perlman. Yep. Um, Feet of Clay has Batman threatening a guy with a jar of Scarlet Fever, which yep. is real good, like a germ. <laughs> solid. Yep. Super solid. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I also love the man who killed Batman mm. and. Uh, uh, I mentioned I've got Batman in my basement earlier. One that one that I don't know is good, 
but really stands out to me and is very like just has a lot of nostalgic value to me and it's it might be a little problematic in like today is the forgotten um the one where bruce wayne is undercover investigating this might be another fever dream one i don't know um <laughs> where he's un- undercover investigating disappearing homeless uh, like homeless population and he gets knocked out and taken to like a work camp uh and he, he has amnesia so he forgets he's batman but he still yeah. like saves the day and returns back to true form after he's saving people. He just can't not save people. I don't know if it's a good episode. I haven't revisited it recently, but I, it's just one that really, really sticks out to me. So um, I'll also shout out the super Nintendo Batman, the animated series game, which I think I rented from the video store like a hundred times in a row. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, you could have just bought this by now. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I spent all my money on candy. Unless you guys have any other honorable mentions. I think that wraps it up. You know, that's one thing about art forms and TV shows and music and things that, you know, true artists make is that once they're gone, we always have what they left behind for us to remember them by. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an amazing, amazing body of work from Kevin Conroy. Yeah. He's forever, forever. My Batman. It sounds like he's forever Paul and Larry's Batman as well. Um, sure. anything, else, yep. anything else you want to add? about Kevin Conroy or Batman the animated series before we take off? You know, everyone likes something different from Batman. Everyone sort of has their own Batman flavor, but mm-hmm. I I think Batman the animated series largely thinks that Kevin Conroy has has something for everybody. I think it's mm-hmm. it's the the piece of Batman media apart from the books that really truly gets to the heart of of why we like Batman and Bruce Wayne. The definitive Batman, the definitive Gotham, the definitive yep. Joker top three Batmobile, like everything about it is like, is so solid and, 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 and Kevin Conroy's performance, especially. So yep. how about you, Paul, anything to close this out with? I don't know if I can say any better than Larry just did. You know, I, I love Batman in any form. I celebrate the whole canon. I mean, I, I love Adam West stuff, uh, but this is the stuff that I always point to. Again, it's the voice I hear in my head. And in, in terms of a, an adaptation of what I love about Batman, this is the best example of it, the animated series by far. It's the voice you hear in your head, not just when you're reading Batman comics. It's just when he's got, he's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's guiding your, he's guiding your everyday, a really, a really tragic and, and sad loss. Um, but an amazing part of all of our childhoods and our, our adult lives. Paul, tell them again where they can find you. If you want to hear me talk about Batman even more, you can check out the I read comic books podcast. I'm a, uh, recurring, uh, co-host and contributor on that show. We talk about comics of all types. When I'm on, it's usually a Batman-based discussion. Um, I also co-host or host the uh, Better Batmobile series. That is a Patreon series we do for IRCB, where uh, me and my co-hosts read through all of Grant Morrison's Batman. Uh, it's a very fun ride through that. If you want more Batman-related content from me, check out I Read Comic Books. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and go to patreoncom podcast for better Batmobile. Damn, Paul. <laughs> Professional podcast review. If you were a Batman villain, you would be called Plugmaster, but that's also got <laughs> alternate yeah, yeah. connotations to it. Um, that's the OnlyFans. Uh, Larry, how can we find you? Uh, if you want to talk to me about Batman, you can just find me walking around town talking to myself. <laughs> uh, or, or on there, the bus. There's, there's that guy <laughs> muttering Batman to himself again. 
no, thank you both for joining. It's like I'm I'm glad this could come together. And um, if you like what you heard today, make sure to follow us at B1M1 Pod. Make sure to follow, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Spotify, ring the bell, and rate us five stars to follow us and get every new episode. Special thanks to Christian Cramo for his theme music, and special thanks to Kevin Conroy for being Batman. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.